From Capital Analytics, I'm Abby Malone, and this is Invest Insights. Every week, we bring you perspectives, business advice, and more from the leading executives, entrepreneurs, and investors who are building, diversifying, and leading the way in the country's fastest-growing metro markets. Real leaders, real insights, right now. Welcome to Invest Insights. I'm Abby Malone. I'm joined today by Eddie Seymour, the principal and founder of Flux Architects. Eddie, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. In season four, we're talking about this new economy that has been uh, created due to the pandemic. And we'll be looking Mm -hmm. at new norms, new business norms, operations, and so on. Before we get there, I wanted to start by asking you, what have been some new personal norms that started during the pandemic? Uh, New technologies you're using, new ways to organize yourself, uh, hobbies or interests that you think will carry on in this post-pandemic landscape? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think the biggest change for us was the virtual meeting. Uh, That's something that we had not really utilized in our business. Uh, But obviously, when everything got shut down, it was really the only way to conduct business for a long time. And actually, I'm glad for, you know, I'm I'm grateful for it. Uh, Usually, having to drive to meetings, finding parking takes up a lot of time. So this is a much more efficient way of working. And also uh, another big change for us was uh, the cities. Whenever we submit the the building permits, uh, a lot of the cities had the capability to do it digitally, but they were sort of uh, hesitant to do it that way. And when the shutdown happened, again, that's the only choice, the only uh, choice they had to conduct business. So a lot of them have said, okay, let's move 100% into the digital format. And I think that's all for the better. Perfect. And what about personally? Are there any hobbies that you picked up during the pandemic or yeah. ways that you've re, uh, you know, yeah. invented yourself that you see continuing moving forward? I, I got into a, a lot of kayaking. Uh, that's something that I hadn't really Very done. Very good. But, uh, you know, I like to be outdoors to be active. So when the shutdown happened, uh, me and my friends, we started going kayaking to the, all the intercoastal islands uh, and just hanging out for a bit. So that was uh, that was fun. And we, we still- is a pretty beautiful place to be able to do that. <laughs> It is. It is. I love this place. You know, the national dialogue has been that uh, people are moving away from cities into suburban areas. But in Florida, we haven't entirely experienced that narrative. The the urban core is still filling up. And Flux Architects has been significantly expanding in affordable housing. And that kind of ties into the whole piece here. You know, uh, housing has gotten far more expensive and affordable housing was a problem prior to the pandemic. It's absolutely an issue now in many areas to include South Florida at this moment in time as we're entering this post-pandemic climate. What do you believe uh, is being done on the local, state, and federal level to incentivize more affordable housing development in metro areas like Miami-Dade? And what more would you like to, to see being done? Right. So on the local municipal level, we are seeing a strong push uh, and commitment to uh to affordable housing projects. So for example, we're seeing uh, uh, cities incentivize uh, affordable housing projects by increasing building height, uh, density, reduce parking, also reduce impact fees. Those are all things that help the financial stack of a project when it comes to the feasibility. On the state or federal level, we are also seeing a stronger commitment to increasing the uh, funding sources for these kinds of projects through the tax benefit programs and also through the, the Opportunity Zone program, which that one is a little bit more, it's different, it's lo- based on the lo- location of the project, but those are all things that add up, right? A few percentage points here, a few percentage points there, and the projects might be feasible. Uh, now, 
Having said that, uh, the need is so strong that that's still not enough, right? We need to do more. And I would say something that I would like to see more of is better marketing of these programs on a local level. Uh, we've seen a few municipalities that do have these programs in place. However, they're not clear on how these can be applied and it causes confusions a lot of times. So I think that would help a lot if we're able to sort of clarify that across the board and, and just make it clear for everyone to understand what are the incentives uh, to do these kind of projects. In our interviews that we're heading for our invest series, we're consistently hearing how Florida is an ideal location for development with low taxes, a large pool of young talent, and a particular focus on sustainability. That said, what would you identify as some of the greatest hurdles that you're facing in new development in the state? And how is this particularly challenging from an architectural perspective? Right, so I would say for sure, in my opinion, uh, the biggest challenges are public transportation and infrastructure. So as of right now, we're still very heavily dependent on cars to get around, uh, but there will come a point where the existing roadway systems can no longer hold that capacity. And I don't care how many double-decker highways you build, uh, somehow that never seems to really solve the problem. So I think we're going to have to transition into other methods uh, like the high-speed railway, like Brightline, uh, also the rapid bus transit systems, and maybe even the tunnel systems that they're looking at in Fort Lauderdale uh, with Elon Musk and the Boring Company. And I also know that they're having that same discussion to implement that system here in Miami as well. And then there's also the issue of sea level rise, right? So uh, we are seeing a lot of municipalities uh, increase their uh, base flood zone elevation. So, so the first floor of a building has to be above that level, and that's going to pay dividends. That's going to save a lot of uh, a lot of money, millions of dollars potentially, and flood damage that will be prevented through uh, through the years. Other cities are raising their existing roadway systems and infrastructure, and they're also installing pumps uh, to discharge excess flood water. So, I think we're we're making a strong commitment in the right direction. Uh, but ultimately, uh, you know, sea level rise is a global issue. It's not something that we can just fix here locally. So I think it's going to take a global effort. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, we might be in trouble. But uh, I, I'm confident that we will we'll be able to meet that challenge. And then from an architecture point of view, I would say we as architects have to design uh, better, more efficient mixed-use buildings. Uh, in order to create what we call the work-lift-play environment, right? The idea that you have uh, high-density living units, amenities, uh, commercial retail, office, all within one building, creating that environment. So you'll, you'll be able to pretty much do everything you need from your day-to-day -day life within five to 10 minutes of your location. And that will further reduce the need for cars in the roadways, which means less traffic, less uh, car accidents, uh, and less pollution. And I think that's a win-win for everyone. With the lack of available land in more urbanized areas of Miami-Dade like Brickell and downtown, development has begun to look westward towards areas like Little Havana and West Flagler. As you design projects in these areas, how do you find the balance between modern development and retaining the character of these historic neighborhoods? Yeah, so that's always a challenge for us. Uh, I think number one, you always wanna try to uh, maintain or repurpose existing buildings. Uh, just because they're older structures doesn't mean that they have outlived their serviceable uh, life. So we always try to look at those kind of projects. Uh, and whenever you cannot you know, maintain the existing structures, then always try to uh, study the history of that neighborhood. Understand what, you know, what was there before. Uh, try to implement some of that history on the architectural features of the building, uh, whether it be through the materials, uh, the, the colors, or maybe art murals in some instances. 
And usually when you're able to do that, you, you can create a bridge between what used to be there and what is now. And then this is something where I think the affordable housing also plays a, a major factor because uh, when you're able to retain a lot of the residents that currently live there in that neighborhood, you're also able to uh, retain a lot of the culture and the history of that neighborhood. So I think that's really probably the biggest factor more than anything else. And now that we find ourselves in this new economy and landscape, what's in the next for Flex Architects and the architecture industry in general? Well, uh, I'm pretty excited, to be honest with you. I, uh, I feel like uh, Miami and South Florida in general are at the beginning of a golden age uh, for construction and uh, development. I think it's going to last 10 years, maybe more. Uh, I'm also excited to see what prefab and modular construction are going to look like. I think uh, that's going to become more prevalent. And over the next uh, decade or so, I think that's going to have a major impact on the affordability issue. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I feel like I'm at the right place at the right time. And, um, you know, I love Miami. I'm a 305 guy. I wasn't born here, but uh, I'm definitely a rep to 305. Sounds like you're in the best place to be. Well, thank you again. I, that was Eddie Seymour, the principal and founder of Flux Architects. My name is Abby Maloney. Thank you again, Eddie. You've been listening to Invest Insights. Be sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast to hear more. I'm Abby Maloney. Thank you for tuning in.